Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The whip around, the Monday morning whip around. You know, isn't it awesome that everybody got exactly what they were hoping for last night out of one of the best matchups of the NFL season? No, Eagles-Dolphins was not all that riveting. No, we did not have an epic ending, and neither MVP candidate quarterback played to their best game or their best ability. None of that. But of course, none of that was why we tuned in last night, right? We didn't tune in late to extend the weekend. We didn't tune in late to try to get right and chase after all the bets we lost. No, we all tuned in for the same exact thing last night. The thing we tuned in for was the ref show. Because nobody was really all that into Dolphins v. Eagles, right? But Dolphins v. Eagles v. the Zebras. Now that's the stuff. That's the stuff right there. Hey, look, I'm not saying the Eagles only won that game because of the refs. I'm not saying that it was less thinking equals refs takeover. Less thinking equals talent takeover. Less thinking equals refs takeover. Refs. Less thinking equals Now listen, the last thing I want to do is start the week by talking about the damn ref show. But 10 Dolphin penalties to zero Eagle penalties. Are we serious about that? The hell kind of clown show is that? Now look, I would sit here and congratulate on the Eagles for playing an immaculate, clean game. And they did play better. But they did not play an immaculate, clean game. Otherwise, I would congratulate them on playing an immaculate, clean game. But we all know they didn't. We all know that at the absolute bare minimum, as much as I like this guy, James Bradbury got a whole handful of Cedric Wilson's face mask on a huge fourth down play when the game was still easily within reach for Miami. We all saw it. It could not have been any more blatant. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network right now, you can see it. The only people on the planet who didn't think that obvious face mask was an obvious face mask were the kooks on the officiating crew. So don't tell me that Philadelphia played some kind of perfect game last night. Better than they've been, but not perfect. Bottom line, though, is the Dolphins were far from perfect as well. And I don't think they lost that game just because of the refs. I'm not saying that. They lost because their high-octane explosive offense was neither in the second half. And they, like everybody else, had no answer at all for the brotherly shove. A play that has become so stupidly dominant that even Nick Sirianni actually said after the game that while the rest of the league deals with first and ten, they deal with first and nine. Every first down is first and nine. Um, Knowing that if you get the fourth fourth and one, um, shoot. A lot of faith in that play because you've seen it, right? You've seen it across the league that people can't do it like we can do it. They can't do it like we can do it. And uh, and so I'm making my plug right there, like, don't don't ban this play. Like, if everyone could do it, everybody would. Where's the camera? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. This dude. I mean, this dude. Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Where's the camera? 
Where's the camera? Where's I'm the camera? about to make the most important point in the history of the league. Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Point it at me. Where's the camera? Quote, if everybody could do it, everybody would do it. Where's the camera? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. Thing is, though, dude, everybody is trying to do it constantly. But he is right. Nobody can push the tush quite like the Eagles push tush, which might be the stupidest moniker ever. The tush push. Hey, ban it not because it's predictable or unstoppable or guys are getting hurt. Just ban it for that stupid name. Even with a banged up Jalen Hurts, though, you can't stop it. Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Listen, Philadelphia has not quite looked right so far this season, although that was a step in the right direction last night. And as high as I am on Mike McDaniel and his team, it's also true that the Dolphins have looked unstoppable against scrubs and flat-out shaky against good teams. In fact, shaky might not even be strong enough. Miami's losses to the Bills and Eagles are by a combined 42 points. Oh, and by the way, are the Bills even good still? Do the Bills still count as good? I will ask once again a question that is becoming the reoccurring question of the entire NFL season. The hell is up with the Bills? What are the Bills? And yeah, I'm well aware they're banged up defensively. But what are the Bills? Just judging by the performance yesterday against New England, you might call them a mess. And I don't think I'd argue that point. Buffalo actually biffed that game twice. They started horribly on offense. But then again, they always do, right? Then they couldn't finish the game on defense. Couldn't stop Mac Jones when everybody has stopped Mac Jones. Couldn't stop Mac Jones from going the length of the field in a two-minute drill to snatch their souls. Mac Jones, much maligned Mac Jones, just had his best game ever against the artist's formerly known as the Super Bowl-contending Buffalo Bills. Hell, the Bills made Jones look like Bacon 46. It was ugly, even uglier when you realize that was the first time the Pats have scored more than 20 in a game this season. Even uglier still is when it gives Hoodman a reason to gloat. I mean, what a bounce-back weekend that old man had. He wins his 300th career game. Plus, on top of that, you have that report that came out about the lucrative multi-year extension that he apparently signed in the offseason. That's how much fire that old man was under. They had to eventually and finally leak that story to let everybody know he's not going anywhere. Am I right, Hood? Hi, um, there's been a lot of discussion as of late about your contract extension. Is there anything you'd like to share with Patriots fans about where yeah, that I stands? I never talk about my contract. Focus on the game. Try to focus on Buffalo. Now we'll focus on Miami. Yeah, count on that. As always, Hood, thank you very much. Thank you for absolutely nothing. You never talk about your contract. You count never that. talk about your contract. Well, man, you never talk about anything. Uh, You know, I never talk about my contract. You know who the hell I am? I never say anything about anything. I'm grumpy. I mumble. Count on that. 
I used to win a lot of games. Now I don't win very many games at all. And if I didn't say anything when I was dominating the sport, what the hell makes you think I would say anything right now? Uh, uh, right? Makes sense? All right. We're on to whoever's next on our schedule. Hey, look, I have no idea how this guy swindled Bob Kraft out of a new contract while producing utter dog crap football over the past few years. The question is given that Kraft has made it abundantly clear that that not making the playoffs is not okay. He's made that abundantly clear. Kraft has said that so many times. Not making the playoffs is not okay. All right. Then why did you commit to the hood for multiple years going forward? Because even with that win, they're still two and five and they're not making the playoffs again. So either Kraft, and by the way, his team, do whatever the hell he wants, but either he scratches this dude a fat check when they don't make the playoffs and sticks to that mandate that not making the playoffs is not okay, or that was just one big lie. And he's going to let this dude stick around for as long as it takes to run down Don Shula. Because as long as the hood is picking the players and hiring his staff and baking 32, 32, hell, 36 ain't walking through that door. They're not sniffing the postseason. And don't point to a win over the Bills as evidence that they are. Because a win over the Bills clearly is not what it used to be. Because what the hell are the Bills? Make that make sense. Oh, and one more thing. For anybody paying attention to the Bills tripping up again, that's not that surprising. They're not playing well. They're up and down. Unlike the Lions getting absolutely vaporized in Baltimore. Now that was surprising and bizarre and off-putting. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. And I can't lie. I didn't see that coming. Not that beatdown. Not a beatdown. A loss, maybe, but not a beatdown. Even if Dan Campbell did a pretty good job of summing up exactly what happened after the fact. Those guys, they, they played well. They kicked our ass. And uh, it's a credit to them. Lamar beat us. Uh, he hammered us with his arm. Um, you know, he, he threw the ball extremely well. He ran when he needed to. Um, and we did not handle it well. You know, our, our energy was good, which is crazy. You come out of a game like that and you look at the score. Our energy was good. But our detail and discipline, which has been so good, over the last four or five weeks was not good enough. Yeah, I'm not so sure your energy was good either. Not when you're falling behind 28 nothing. 
I mean, weird weeks happen in the NFL. Yesterday does not make me suddenly lose all belief in the Lions, but it is a red flag. It's one thing to lose. It's another to get lit the hell up and utterly boat raced for four quarters. As an example, I went into that game, and I said it on the air last week. It's about time we talk about Detroit in that conversation with Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, I don't know that we don't put Baltimore atop that list right now. They're on the very short list if they're not on the top list. Top of the list, I should say. Not exactly like that Ravens offense, for instance, was going around humiliating teams left and right either. That was actually the first time Baltimore put up at least 30 points since week three of last season. Either they put it all together yesterday or that Detroit defense is not what we thought it was or both. Either way, not good for the D. Below not good. But still worth saying that it's not like the 5-2 and two Ravens are a bunch of scrubs. I guess what I mean is it's not like they lost to the Giants. Damn, Washington. That was brutal. And I totally understand why Jonathan Allen straight up snapped after that game. I think I'd have the exact same reaction if I just let the Giants drop my squad to 3-4, and four, and that was after losing to the Bears prior to that. They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Got to be better. Anything they did that surprised you guys early on? No, I want to say so. I think it's just a lack of focus on our part, a lack of attention to detail, not starting fast, and creating holes that are too big for us to overcome in the second half. Does it get frustrating when that team? Yes, it does. I'm f***ing tired of this f***ing tired of this bullshit. It's been seven f***ing years of the same shit. Tired of this shit. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play Philadelphia. Damn, my man. John Allen, pissed much? That was zero to rapid fire F-bombs in about .2 seconds flat. But then again, can you blame this dude? I mean, they did just lose to the Giants. They made Terod Taylor look flat out better than Danny Dimes. Although that might not be the commanders. That might actually be reality. Speaking of which, how would you like to be on the hook for 160 mil to Daniel Nichols when Terod Taylor is better and gives you a better chance to win? It's got to be a pretty sobering thought for the so-called Tiffany franchise of the league. Oh, and Saquon's nicked again. So you've got that going for you, which isn't very nice. And as horrible as the commanders have looked, had they really looked any worse than the ref show? Back to them. How do we know if Allen was talking about his own team and coaches or actually the refs? I'm just going to assume that he was talking about all the above because neither his team nor the refs seem to have any idea what the hell they're doing. Am I right, J.A.? Yes, it does. I'm f***ing tired of this f***ing tired of this bullshit. It's been seven f***ing years of the same shit. Tired of this shit. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that apply equally to the ref show? Tired of this shit. How do I know? How do I know if he's talking about his team or the ref show? Same intensity, same take. I think it applies to both. The refs called zero penalties on the Eagles. Huh? Not to be confused with, huh? More like a, huh? Did the Eagles Kelly Green uniform camouflage with the field? For instance, 
James Bradbury probably missed the postgame presser because his hand was still stuck in Cedric Wilson's face mask. Huh? Maybe that no call on Bradbury was a make-good call from the Super Bowl. You know, when he got flagged for holding Juju Smith-Schuster late in the fourth that cost the Eagles that game? All square. Am I right, NFL? As far as Nick's first and nine, if the refs aren't calling anything on the Eagles' defense, it's first and never for the Dolphins. Every first down, it's first and nine. I've got a feeling my man is still walking around and his hand is still affixed, attached to Seth's face mask, and they're waiting to find the right doctor to surgically disentangle it. How is that not a penalty? It's like they're rolling the jaws of life in to pull his hand out of his helmet. Where's the camera? Where's the hand? Oh, it's still stuck in his helmet. It's like he stuck his hand in there and just yanked it, man. Rip fish hooked him. Where's the camera? And then he couldn't get it out. It's like his face is backwards. You know that whole thing about he doesn't have eyes behind his head? He does now. He's looking backwards, man. He can't straighten his face back out. I guess fish hooking is allowed in the NFL. Not in the MM, not in the UFC, I should say, but in the NFL, you can. 1 800 636 8686. There he is. I did say on Friday, I want to hear from this guy. I don't want to hear from this guy come Monday. And there he is. Mark in Hollywood. I had a great weekend, Jim. The Eagles crushed the Dolphins. The Phillies are up 3-2 and are about to close out the D-backs today. And that's all there is to discuss. What's poppin' X? That's not all there is to discuss. And you know it, Mark. How about one for 16 on third down? You might want to get into that, brah. He's playing. He knows. I'm hoping we can cut this out. Hey, Romer. I thought that hoodie was going to look straight into the aftergame presser camera and be like, uh, hey, radio man. Who do you think you are? I am Andy in Portland. That's pretty good. Count on that. Ward James Kelly's humor. If by humor you mean his ability to butcher the English language, then yeah, he's funny as hell. Mike D for three. Quote, where's the camera? Where's the camera? Signed Rome after bouncing his dome off one in the studio. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm looking into that one camera right now. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, I'm looking into the camera that I bounced my head off of. The hilarious thing is... Somebody in their infinite wisdom, I don't know who did this, somebody put like three X's on the other side of the camera. They're like white X's. Like, oh, and there's no way he'd run into it now. We X'd it out. Yeah, that's smart. Was that you, Alvy? I walked into the camera not because I didn't see the camera. I walked into the camera because I had my face on my phone. They're showing it right now on CBS Sports Network. The by the way, I don't think I was right. For at least two weeks. If there was a protocol for the jungle, I would have been in it. Where's like, the camera? Bam! Alvy should have run in and set up the blue tent in the studio as soon as I bounced my head off that camera. 
I'd be locked in a dark room, five days, no use of my device, no screens, no light, no nothing. Those things don't give. Those cameras, they might be like on a track and they might move around, but when they're stationary, there is no give. But dude, thank you very much for taping three X's on one side. That's been very helpful. At Wapner at 11 tweets, Dear Jim, where's the camera? Sign the ref show. I was like, dude, what would you like me to tape on there? Nothing, bro. Just leave it. Just leave it, dude. Don't get don't get smart with me. He's like, how about we just put Jack Savage in front of it? And if he just stands in front of it all day long, then you won't run into it. Yo, dude. You mean like laugh him? He could be like one of those dudes who's at the airport, you know, like, yo, yo, air traffic control. Put him in orange, stick some cones out there. Dude, it happened once. If it was something that were reoccurring, that'd be one thing. If I were killing brain cells on the weekly, that'd be one thing. It happened once, dude. Get off my back. And no, those three stupid X's that you taped, dude. Was that your idea, Avi? Or did somebody in corporate put you up to it? I was like, well, there was one X. Wait, so you put an X on there before I walked into it? Was it preventative? Alvin's like, you know how it is, dude. It's like when you're in the stadium and when a pitcher strikes somebody out, everybody holds up an X. So you taped an X to the camera because the camera beat my ass once. Yeah, well, what, how does that explain the other X's on it? So what I don't know is if the camera is talking junk to me or if you're trying to like highlight it, like, oh, dude, don't walk into that camera again. Here are some X's. You're running out of room of X's. Or do you drop an X on the camera every time the camera gets a good shot or you have a good drop? You know, a sticker, like a helmet decal, like my tongue on my mic. Or is it like putting a butterfly on a glass door so you don't walk into it? Whatever it is, it didn't work. I slammed into that thing once. We've all done it once. And let me, let me tell you more on something. No offense, morons. But had there not been a pandemic, and had you been allowed in the studio the way you were prior to the pandemic, I guarantee every one of you morons would have done the same thing. Alvin, stop. Why do you say it's happened to me twice? It hasn't. It's happened once. I need to see evidence that it's happened twice. Show it to me twice. Roll it again. Roll it again. Show it to me twice. All right, let's see. If you're watching, okay, there's once on CBS Sports Network. That's me coming up, me in the blue. Okay, let's see it a second time. Has it happened twice? Waiting. Okay, there's the shake. Same shirt. No, it's happened once. I need to see a different shirt. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It has happened twice. 
You know why I don't remember it happening a second time? I was concussed. There's two for me. That is two for There's me. There's two for me. All right, so if you're scoring at home, it happened to me twice, and it happened to Hawk once. But I'm here to tell you, if there was not a pandemic where you all were banned from the studio, it would have happened to all of you. All of you. All of you. All of you. Hey there, let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week, so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is, I love the options it gives me, and I know that I'm eating well, and it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome and use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome, use that code 50Rome and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Mike Sando. Mike, great to have you on. How are you? Hey, thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. It's good to have you, Mike. All right, so before we get into the book, and we certainly will, let me start first with last night's matchup, Philadelphia and Miami. Considering some thought, Mike, that that might be a Super Bowl preview, did last night's game tell you more about Philly or more about Miami? Uh, probably Miami. You know, I think they've done a great job with their team sort of out of nowhere the last couple of years shows you what a good coach and speed can do. But I think they've played two real contenders potentially this year and they've lost by a combined 52 points. That's being the Bills who don't look quite so good now after their injuries, but have been a strong team and now Philly. So I don't think it's back to the drawing board for Miami, but I think we're starting to sort of see uh, where they might be in relation to some of these teams. They'll get Kansas City and Germany soon. That'll be another chance for them. But uh, we would stop short of saying, you know, they're really one of the two or three best teams in the league, probably. Mike Sando joining us. I'm glad you brought up Buffalo. I was going to say the Bills did just survive the Giants the previous week. Then they got stunned by the Patriots yesterday. To your point, they are banged up. We know this. They're banged up defensively. But what else has caused them to lose two of their last three and drop to four and three overall? I don't see a real calming influence to just settle everything down. You know, when you're having issues like yesterday, they're without Ed Oliver, they're without Matt Milano, obviously their top corner, Tredavious White. When you lose maybe your best players at all three levels, and then you're bringing back Von Miller, who's 34, not what he used to be, you're not going to be as good. So what do you have that sort of settles things down? They don't really have that, you know, reliable run game where they're going to hand it off and just calm things down. It just feels like this is a team that already ran hot, right? The final 13 seconds, uh, you know, Josh Allen sort of an up and down, mostly up, but a lot of downs too. And so there's just nothing really to, that they can kind of anchor themselves on or, or ground themselves on, and it feels frenetic. Mike Sander joining us. Do you think, is it an overreaction to say that maybe their window has already slammed shut? 
Yeah. Uh, probably a little bit of an overreaction. I wrote a column on that a couple weeks ago. I was actually comparing their their sort of arc to the Andy Reid and McDermott Eagles arc back in the 2000s. And uh, by this point, I think it was this season the Eagles got to the Super Bowl in the same year of Andy Reid. Uh, and so, it, you know, it looks like it looks like their window is smaller than it's been. I think the fundamentals are good enough long term that they're still going to be in the mix. I wouldn't write them off, but I think they have missed their best chance to win it all. I think it was the 13 second year. And we see this happen to teams that were good, had a chance and missed it. I think of the Jim Harbaugh 49ers losing a playoff game at home to the Giants, right? Sometimes these teams that never quite get all the way, but should have have their best chances and kind of don't even know it when they're gone. Yeah, I think you're right. Mike Sano joining us. It's really a reach, but you know, back in the years past, Mike, we owned some thoroughbred racehorses and it was the same way. Like we thought we had a great, great horse and they'd run this amazing race. And then all of a sudden that was their best race. They'd run their best race. And you feel like some of these teams have already run their best race. They're competitive. They're still quote live, but they may have run their best race already. Mike Sando joining us. He's got a brand new book out. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mike, what about the Ravens? The Ravens destroy the Lions in a matchup of divisional leaders. I went into that game thinking, Mike, that the Lions should be included in the Super Bowl conversation. And now I come out of it wondering if maybe yep. the Ravens should actually start that conversation. How do you feel about that? And then how big of a statement did Lamar yep. and Baltimore make? It was huge. So I... I think it was a three-point spread in the game, and I sort of felt like it was a little bit of a toss-up coming in. So I did not see whatever it was, 35 nothing at one point coming. Um, I'll say this. Before we get to Lamar, that Raven defense has allowed six touchdowns this year. That is one fewer than the 2,000 Ravens had allowed through Week 7. So you can't underestimate how valuable that's been to them while they sort of have been trying to figure out their offense and kind of get it on the same page. We've seen glimpses. I think yesterday it just all came together and we saw the best possible way that it could look, you know, against a defense that probably isn't the strongest in the secondary, but still, I think you have to tip your cap and say, okay, they've made this transition to more of a pass first offense. We've seen Lamar have good passing games before, but this did feel like a statement because I watched before the game, Dan Campbell, he was kind of, if you want, listen to what he was saying, he was sort of happy to face Lamar as a passer. He 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 didn't want to see him running. And so I thought it was a real nice statement game by Lamar, by, by Baltimore. And now we'll see if they can develop the consistency and, and be able to not do that every week, but, but be a real consistently efficient, sharp, on-point passing game. Yeah, I don't think he's so happy to see Lamar the passer right now. That was one of Lamar's best games ever. He looked absolutely dominant. Mike Sando joining us. So, Mike, you've co-authored the Football 100, the story of the greatest players in NFL history. I'm curious, in terms of process, what's it like to start with about 25,000 players who have played in that league and then whittle <laughs> that list down to 100? Yeah, it was kind of fun, actually. Dan Pompey, my colleague, and early on we had Ed Bouchette, you know, who was a Hall of Fame voter. He's since retired, but we, we, you kind of start with okay, like who's already in the Hall of Fame? You know, that that helps you give you a shorter list. But yeah, I feel like for a top 100, there's probably there might be 200 people you could make a great case for. Uh, and in the end, you, know, you feel bad about some of the people who didn't make the list, and then you argue over the the ones at the top, but I feel pretty good about it. You know, I think it's an, an impossible task, but it was really fun to do. Uh, we did have, you know, I think for a while early on, we might've had Jim Brown, number one. This is a couple years ago when we were working on this. And then when Brady went to Tampa, 
and won the Super Bowl outside of the Belichick context, we're like, you know what? I think we've got to put him at the top. Uh, and then since then, of course, we've seen the Patriots, you know, struggle a little bit more than even expected after Brady left. So feel pretty good about him at the top, but love the debates, love the discussion, love kind of honoring uh, these guys, including some from, you know, way back. I was going to say a couple of things before you go, Mike. What about that? For instance, the one challenge, it seems to me, not the one challenge, but a challenge inherently yeah. is competing players or having players from different eras. I mean, that's challenging. That's problematic. How did you approach that, guys who played in different eras? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I had a lot of fun doing some kind of statistical work at receiver and running back in particular. The way I did it was for receivers, I determined – a great receiver has about eight elite seasons in, in on average. You're not going to have many beyond that. If you go shorter than that, you don't have a big enough body of work. So I took every receiver in history's eight best seasons for yardage, where they ranked compared to their peers in a given year. So if you had Don Hudson leading the league six or seven times, that's the same as Jerry Rice leading the league six or seven times. We've adjusted for the era. When I did that, it was so cool because – Rice and Hudson were at the top. Moss was number three, Randy Moss. A surprise number four was Torrey Holt. If you look at his eight or nine years, they're as good as anybody's. And then Steve Largent came in. Julio Jones was in the mix, right? James Lofton. Some of these guys, it really sort of crystallized for me. What are we measuring? We're measuring elite production in the context of your peers at that time. And so when you do that, it's a little easier at running back, a little easier at receiver. Uh, but it's definitely harder for like a defensive lineman or an offensive tackle. So, Mike, I'm glad you brought up Torrey Holt. I'm really glad you brought up Torrey Holt. To me, Torrey Holt is a Hall of Famer. Now, I don't have a vote. Ultimately, do you think he gets in? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I've been on the committee about 15 years, sometimes really frustrated, sometimes really happy. The frustrating part is this. You have five modern era slots every year. You have 15 names and you have 3000 unique combinations of five that can happen. I've, I've done the math. So some of these guys cancel each other out in a given year. We had this seven, eight, 10 years ago when Chris Carter, you know, and Andre Reed and Tim Brown, they weren't getting in because they're like canceling out each other. And that's where Tori is. He's going in. He's totally worthy. He's better than people realize. I was covering, I think, the Seahawks back then and saw him twice a year. He's awesome. So glad to see him get his due. Um, you know, I think he's somebody who's underrated in the history of football. Glad to hear you say that. I really I really expect to see him in and hope he gets in and believe that he will. So what about the book, Mike? Where can our listeners and our viewers find the book? Absolutely. Well, it is out tomorrow through HarperCollins. So uh, you can find it wherever you get your books, right? You can find it on, on Amazon or you can find it at I think Barnes & Noble or, or any of those places you might go and look for a book. Appreciate it. I was hoping that was the answer. It is the Football 100, the story of the greatest players in the NFL. Mike Sando is one of the authors. Mike, great job. Really nice to talk to you. Hope we can do it again soon. Thank you. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kids' relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with 
with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. Let's talk some college ball. So I know that Michigan, Michigan State was a total bleep show last year with that ugly postgame tunnel brawl. But it's almost like both programs went out of their way to make sure that this year was going to be even more of a bleep show. Like, what do we do to top last year? Last year was a total bleep show. What can we do to top that? Well, we could start with Michigan State actually threatening not to play this game because they were so offended by the cheating accusations against Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, which I already mentioned on Friday, which I already actually called out on Friday because, I mean, come on, Sparty. I understand where people might have concerns about Michigan, but y'all acting like the beacons of purity. That's pretty rich, Sparty. Rich as hell, don't you think? You see that, don't you? Almost as rich as cheating Jim Harbaugh, always lecturing everybody about right and wrong. Allegedly. Well, allegedly that he cheated but unequivocally and definitely that he lets everybody know that he does it the right way while most everybody else does it the wrong way. You know, the difference between right and wrong. There's no alleged about that. That's how that guy carries himself. That's the type of thing that guy says. So no, Michigan clearly is not the epicenter of doing things the right way like they claim they do. But the last program that can call them out is Michigan State. I said all of that. I said all of that before the weekend. I said all of that before Michigan State threw up a trivia question about Hitler on the scoreboard before the game. A trivia question involving Hitler. I mean, why stop there? Why not throw up a Larry Nasser question, too? And I'm not comparing one to the other because you can't really compare anything to Hitler. But as long as you're doing that, why stop there? I mean, how the hell is this even possible? Of course, Michigan State turned around and blamed a third-party source who then turned back around and said they didn't create the trivia for the Michigan State Jumbotron, nor did they ever give Michigan State permission to use their content. Whoops! Somebody's lying. So to recap, Michigan State just threw up some random trivia video from YouTube on their scoreboard without vetting it, and that led to an image of Hitler being broadcast in their stadium on game day. Yet this is the same program that just last week was acting so offended by signal-stealing allegations that they threatened to boycott that game. Rich. Rich as hell. Richer than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates combined. I mean, damn, Sparty. Can we pull it together? And the fact that the football team is not remotely competitive is the least of their issues. Except 49-nothing, 49-0 against your arch rivals is not a good look either. Never a good look when you hang more 
Hitlers on your scoreboard than points. Sparty, I want to call this rock bottom, but judging from the last few years, there is no way I can assume that we have found the bottom yet. Not in your case. And the craziest part is the biggest story out of the state of Michigan this weekend was supposed to be Jim Harbaugh's goofy alleged cheating scheme, which might not be that goofy. It might actually be pretty serious. And then the suspension of the alleged cheating scheme architect and Boogie Knight's side character, Connor Stallions. It's not like that's not still a horrible look for the men of Michigan. And it is. Because they were talking about five minutes ago about extending Harbaugh to a major contract that would have made him the highest paid coach in the conference. And now apparently that's on hold. Apparently. Even if Michigan State is doing everything they can to constantly embarrass themselves, what about the so-called Michigan man? And I do not want to hear all of this nonsense about the Michigan scandal only being what it is, you know, the alleged program of purity, the last bastion of everything that's pure and real, that the only reason this is going on is because they have a target on their back. And the reason they have a target on their back, in their minds, not because they cheat, but because they're so good. Everybody's gunning for them because they do it the right way and they're so good. Right, Jim? Yeah, I think success, I mean, does that. There's people that don't like to see people be successful, you know. Um, and there's a target, yeah, that's, I think, I mean, everybody's pointed that out uh, from the beginning of the season. Um, All right, so that point that he made about this has been going on since the beginning of the season. This goes back to the beginning of the season. People have been treating us like this since the beginning of the season. You know why that is, Jim? Because you suspended yourself at the beginning of the season. That's why it goes back to the beginning of the season. From the beginning of the season. You suspended yourself at the beginning of the season. Can you connect those two dots? That's why. This whole notion of people don't like seeing other people successful. Agreed. You're right about that. There are people that are jealous. There are people that are envious. There are people who are not willing to do the work. So, no, they don't like it when others do well. But this guy nailed it. Rich Kane. Quote, it's not that people, quote, don't like to see people be successful, end quote, It's that people don't like the sanctimonious hypocrisy Harbaugh spews like a broken broken pipe spews raw sewage, essentially. It's not that they don't like to see people successful, although that's part of it generally. You know what it is, Jim? They don't like you, period. That's what that is. It's not like they don't like to see you succeed. They just don't like you because of what he said sanctimonious hypocrisy. And yes, you've had a target on your back since the start of the season because you suspended yourself at the start of the season. You know. But of course you suspended yourself because of the target on your back and not because you got caught lying to NCAA investigators, right? I hereby suspend myself for three games because 
People don't like it when we win. I hereby impose a three-game suspension on me because I'm successful. I hereby suspend myself for three games, and I'm thinking about maybe making it four or five because I'm just too damn successful. Yeah, either that or you got caught lying to NCAA investigators. Nobody ever has suspended themselves for being too successful. You know why? That's not breaking the rules. As long as you do it legitimately. Lying to NCAA investigators is a reason to suspend yourself before they suspend you. All right, so let's get this straight. Like, you know the worst thing about this guy? Like, I think he believes what's coming out of his mouth. I really think, not that he's spinning, not that he's being clever, not that he's being greasy, not that he's being scummy. I really think this guy believes there is a target on their back because, quote, they're successful. And that it's got nothing to do with him suspending himself for three games for lying to NCAA investigators. Just like you just suspended your staffer or your staffer with the porno name, was just suspended because people don't want to see him be successful. He's got a target on his back because he's successful, not because he was the guy masterminding a signal-stealing scheme that allegedly started back in 2021. Nope, we're just suspending people because they're successful. There's just too much success around here. We can't have it. There is too much success around here that is creating too much animosity, and that's not good for the world. We're just too good at our jobs. And when you get too good at your job, you know what you do? You suspend yourself. It makes people uncomfortable. And you know what's really weird about the whole thing? This alleged cheating scheme started right around the time you allegedly started competing for natties. All the success came right around the time this scheme allegedly started. Yeah, nobody's buying any of that, dude. So maybe stop vaguely blaming everybody else. Maybe stop cheating, allegedly, Maybe stop lying to the NCAA investigators, allegedly. But I mean, dude, you did suspend yourself. So you did do something, right? And I know you didn't suspend yourself because you win too much. And it's making people uncomfortable. You obviously suspended yourself because you did something wrong. So you know you did something wrong. So given how holier than thou you are, You should not be pointing the finger anywhere else right now when it's the second time it's happened this season. But I get it, though. I get it. After all, I was the guy who for decades has been on the air saying, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And it's only cheating if you get caught. Problem is, Harbaugh is as good at cheating, allegedly, as he is at calling the smack off. Romy, it's good to be on the smack off. I just want to say thanks for taking my call, and uh, I'd like to wish everybody out there a very uh, happy holiday. And and uh, I don't really have a whole lot of smack to say today. It's a uh, it's a holiday and it's a day of peace and harmony, kind of like 
Fuzzy and Tiger playing in the Masters. But uh, I want to wish everybody and their families a happy holiday, except for some of your clones who don't really have families and are behind in their child support payments like your boy Sean in Syracuse. Tell that clone to get a life. How arrogant or out of touch or tone deaf would you have to be to have suspended yourself for three games in one season and then later in that season have allegations of a cheating scandal, widespread, and then to blame it on, you know, people just don't like to see you be successful and expect anybody to believe that. Michigan fan. You're Michigan fan. Many of you are Michigan alumnus. It's a really prestigious school. Are any of you buying that bullcrap? Blinded by that? I'll give Harbaugh this, though. At least he's in the running for a natty. He might be cheating to get it. He might be lying to get it. But at least he's in the running for a natty. And he's doing everything he can, obviously, until he inevitably runs back to the NFL if anybody will take him. Unlike Link, Lincoln Riley and USC, who are all but out of the running for the natty again after losing to Utah yet again. Damn, does my dude Kyle Whittingham own the Trojans or what? Four dubs in a row for Utah against USC. And the last two were absolutely devastating because the Utes knocked USC out of the playoff in the Pac-12 championship game last year and probably just ended their playoffs again for a second year in a row on Saturday. And it's not like they ever take the field with more talent than USC. And it's not like any of this is shocking. You know this is a big Kyle Whittingham house. The dude's great. He's a damn good coach. And his defense this year is scary. Unlike the USC defense, which is almost non-existent. Never mind scary. Almost non-existent. So I wasn't at all shocked by that result. In fact, that was one of the only bets all weekend I won. Now, actually, I won. I did really well in college. The only college bet I lost, Mark in Hollywood, was Penn State. I think I went 5-1 and one or 6-1 and one in college. That was the only thing saving me from the bloodbath that was the NFL weekend. No, so I'm not surprised at all that Utah got over on USC. In fact, I bet them. I felt pretty strongly about that because I know the way they show up. I know what they have. And what they don't have is more talent. We know that. So, no, I was not shocked by that. But I'll tell you what I was shocked by. I was not shocked by the way Utah showed up and punched USC in the face. However, I was shocked to hear Lincoln Riley essentially act like making the playoffs was some sort of unreasonable expectation that is put on his team by everybody else, but not internally. We don't come in every single week talking about winning a national championship going to playoffs, and I, I don't know where that narrative starts. You, you come in every single week trying to fight your tail off to go play well and win a ball game, and it's a... It's a strain every week to do it, and it's a, it's a fight every week to do it. We've won a hell of a lot more here uh, than we've lost. Um, are we are we satisfied at all sitting here at six and two? Of course we're not. I mean, it's it's as much as it hurts anybody on the outside. I promise you, it hurts us ten times more. Hey, Link, my man. Ah! 
Wrong answer. Dude, you're an incredible offensive mind. Obviously. But this is USC. You know the expectations here because you left Oklahoma, one of the best jobs in the game, to come here. We all know you didn't come here to get your brains beaten in by Utah every single year. We all know Caleb Williams didn't follow you here to miss out on the playoffs in back-to-back years. You just had two seasons with the best player in college football, and you're not going to sniff the playoff. That's called a failure. And to sit here and say, hey, listen, this narrative, what the narrative about you coming here to win a national championship, that's not accurate? That's not fair? That's not why you're here? Okay, then why? You came here to win a conference championship? Or you came here to stay one step ahead of the mob in Oklahoma? And if that's the case, since you're not getting it done at USC, does that mean you're going to stay one step ahead of the mob at USC and try to bounce to the NFL? I mean, come on, dude. That false narrative that's being put on us from the outside? No one's buying that. Nobody's expecting that. You came here to win a natty. You brought a soon-to-be Heisman Trophy winning candidate with you at quarterback. You're not meeting expectations. The expectations are not unreasonable. You're not meeting them because that is the expectation. Of course that was the expectation. You came to USC to win a natty. Everybody expected that, you yourself included. And now that it's not happening, you're blaming a false narrative? The external narrative? I mean, come on. This is why you came here. Or you came here for the life and to get paid. And I don't believe that. You came here to win. You came here to win it all. To say otherwise to me is disingenuous at best and garbage at worst. He want to know it's crazy. You want to get into this whole win-loss thing. Lincoln has coached 22 games so far for the Trojans. He's 17-5. and five. The same record Clay Helton had in his first 22 games. I'm not saying they're one and the same. I'm not saying that Lincoln has been a huge disaster. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying I'd rather have Clay Helton than Lincoln. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying you can't really just point to the results and say that everything's just fine. Because going 0-2 on making the playoff with Caleb Williams is not fine. It's not okay. And doing the same as your predecessor, who ultimately got broken off when everybody expected you to take them to the promised land, also is not okay. Like, where, where are any of these guys going with any of this? Own your expectations. Michigan man. USC dude. But at least USC managed to hang some points up and give us a game, which is more than I could say for Penn State which I'll get to a little bit later on. But I want to begin the interview portion of the program. But Harbaugh, Link, certainly Link is more likable than Harbaugh, but they're both wrong in what they say. Hey, Jim, people are not coming for you because people do that to people who are successful. And Link, we absolutely had higher expectations than you winning the conference championship. Or going 0-4 against Utah. Fact of the matter is, Utah is a tougher team. Utah is a tougher team. Utah is a better coach team right now. Fact. 
Better hope that OU does not find their way into the playoffs somehow this year. Minus a Lincoln and a Caleb. How bad would the optics be then? You know what I love, too? I love this, this speculation that Lincoln, and this speculation, reportedly, has been putting out NFL feelers. Dude, if you can't win big games in college, why are you then ready to make the leap to the NFL? Cliff Kingsbury can't believe that logic. All right, when we come back, Mike Sando joins me. Then the big head. Then Javon Curse. Why don't we start the week with a very important question. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky so amazing? Well, because it is. Why, Rome? Because you said so? Yes. It's Monday. So, we are going to break out with a pick for tonight's Niners v. Vikings tilt. And I will see if the big head, James Kelly, has any thoughts on anything else in addition to that game. Now, head, I would ask you how you're living, but I already know the answer. In complete and utter squalor. Because we all got our heads handed to us this past weekend. Damn, dude, was that a bloodbath or what? Absolutely brutal, man. Direct kick to the stick after direct kick to the stick. I feel the opposite of Dez today, Jim. The opposite of Dez. Not good. Not good. Below not good. Mm -mm. You know, the thing is, too, after you get kicked in the stick enough times, you want to say that you don't feel it anymore. But you do. You do. That. That little, that, that, that part right there. Sorry. Opposite of Dez today, right there. Oh, I thought you meant Dez Bryant. I, I was oh, going to no. ask you what you meant, but I didn't want to follow. And now, now I see what you yeah. did. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Yeah, that'll happen. Especially when we're talking about the NFL, because I, I can't stress it enough. This gambling game is hard, dog. It is. The rapping game is hard, dog. It is. It is. And, and it happens to us all. It mm. does. Mm-hmm. It does. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Uh, anyway, Alvin. I guess it happens to all of us except Alvin. Thank you, Alvin. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Thank all you, right, Alan. so what a curious matchup tonight, Josh Head. Allen. Yeah, right? It's a curious matchup tonight in the sense that your fam, mm-hmm. namely your stepdad, mm-hmm. the rat, two T's, mm-hmm. and his son, i.e., your foster brother, are going up against the Vikes, Mm -hmm. a team that wins or loses every single game by a single score, and somehow every single time I am on the wrong side of that single score. (laughs) So let me just say it. Uh I can't win a bet as it relates to the Vikes ever. So if you or anybody else wants to win some dough tonight, wait for my pick and fade me. Also, head as we know, both teams are a bit banged up right now. In fact, key guys that are banged up, and we may not know their availability until mm-hmm. right before kick. And I know the number has been moving. What mm-hmm. is it now? How are you playing it? The line has moved to San Francisco being favored by seven points right now. I'm going with a fam and laying the points in this big reunion no game. No way. Jim. Yeah, shocker, right? But it is a big reunion game, and not only do we have Stepbro Kyle and Kirk facing off, we also have a Forrester and his former assistant coach, Chris Cooper, coming together tonight. That guy right there. One Imagine of those that. was live, and one of those was on Memorex. Do you know which one it was? Uh, well, that one was, that was not live. Yeah, it was. That oh, was live, actually. 
You, you, you must have heard the wrong one. combo between those two? Well, one more time. It. How's the fam? Good. How's the skank? Uh, she's gone, you know. Any, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, I think I just blew out the membrane, my my membrane of my nose. Dude, that was impressive. Three times, dude. That got me like Josh Allen. You didn't even know who he was. Yeah. I actually like Josh the 49ers tonight. And it's because non-nose candy Chris's offensive line has struggled in the run game and made his Vikings way too one-dimensional. Minnesota ranks last in the NFC in rushing. They don't have J.J. in last week. Without him, they struggled against the Bears. They managed a season-low 220 yards of total offense. They went 2 of 13 on third down. They scored one touchdown on 11 drives and went scoreless in the second half, and now they face the best defense in the NFC, not the ass bears. Now for Forrester and Step Bros. O, I like you their mean chances. the ass bears to just wreck the Raiders? Oh, my gosh. With Tyson Badgett, a guy who I saw. Bajent. Bajent. Yeah, I mean, how would you even know his name? But I saw him playing Golden, Colorado against a Division Two team, and they tore him up, and the Raiders couldn't stop him. Incredible. No, no, dude, they wrecked him last year. Yeah. They wrecked him. They wrecked him, yeah. But the Raiders couldn't. Go ahead. Okay. Anyways, uh, 49ers offense, they rank first in the NFC in rushing. Their biggest challenge tonight will be Brian Flores and that heat that he'll bring. The Vikings have blitzed on 57% of their defensive snaps. That is 22% higher than the second-rated team in football, the Face Lickers Pats. But something tells me Big Clock will have about 50 screens and quick hits on that wristband of his, and he will get the ball to the weapons that he will have playing tonight, and they will make the plays. ATS, Kyle is 11-0 off a straight-up road favorite loss versus an opponent off a straight-up win. That's in play tonight. And Kirk's... Wow, dude, that was like calculus, what you just went with. Yeah, like my stepdad texted me that one. That was good. Come on today. That was Pretty good. good huh? He also shot me this one, too, because he used to coach him. What do you Kirk's 2-10 straight-up and ATS in Monday night games. The worst Monday night football record by any QB in modern NFL era. So I'm going with San Fran, the Fam, and Forrester minus seven. Hmm. Minus seven. Minus that seems seven. like a pretty big number to me. But then, then again, the Vikings era, era, have completely jacked with my mind. Like it could be one, it could be two, it could be seven. I could ride with them. I could pick against them. I just know I'm not winning. You're right. I just know I'm not winning. Not two, yeah, I know. I know. Three, Great attitude, right? They have me that rattled. I will admit it, but it's not like I'm not going to get down on a Monday night. So here it is. Brock Purdy is coming off his worst game as a pro, and that was in large part because he didn't have all of his weapons at his disposal, and he won't have Debo tonight. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. He may or may not have C-Mac. It looks like he'll probably go, do you think? I think he'll go, yes. What about the big man, Trent Williams? Do we think he'll go? Likes to fight Trent. I do not think he will go. Okay, so again, he's going to be deficient and without some of his weapons. Mm -hmm. Plenty of question marks. But here's what we do know about the Vikings. They will jam me. We all know that Kirk Cousins will not fare well in a primetime game. We know that, too. Mm -hmm. And the fact is they really weren't scaring anybody when they had Justin Jefferson. So what the hell are they going to do without J.J.? Mm -hmm. Purdy. May not have all of his weapons, but he will have enough. I still believe in the guy, probably more than you do. And I believe in that system, and I know you believe in the system. Mm -hmm. I believe in the Niner defense. I'm expecting a Niner bounce back. They're not losing two in a row. I like them enough to lay the points, even though it's seven. That said, Mm -hmm. I'm laying the points against the Vikes. So if any of you listening like money, you should fade me. Because like Brian Hoyer who cannot win a football game ever. 
I cannot win a bet involving the Vikings ever. It's That's so it. True, dude. Um, dude, Hoyer hasn't won a football game that he's played in since 2016. Yeah, only like Deshaun Kaiser's been worse or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Not good. Only like Jim Rome has been worse in picking the Vikings. Me so, and the Ravens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- there you go. So you and I are on the same page. We're going to go with the fam minus seven. Anything else? Yeah, I have a lot on Philly today in game six of the NLCS. So I have one prop for tonight's game, meaning you probably want to fade me too because I have been uh, very, very bad at these props so far. I have a question, dude. Why is it when somebody else is bad, they're ass, but when you're bad, you're just bad? I was going to say Molinari, but I was going to clean it up. So I went with bad instead. Maybe Alvin can help me out. Oh, yeah. That was me. That was life. Damn, dude. It's starting to hurt. Go ahead. Prop is Kirk you know, Cousins say, over breathe through point. Your nose, breathe through your nose, breathe out your mouth, the box technique or something. <laughs> Kirk Cousins over .5 interceptions. Am I interrupting yes. you? Is that your problem, dude? What's that? You seem put off. Am I interrupting you? No, it's great. I'm impressed by that. I, I can't tell the difference. Both of them are strong. <laughs> I know you can't, dude. Hey, what about Kirk Cousins? Wait, Kirk Cousins? Why are we talking about him? We're talking Phillies. Prop. No. I got. I got. Uh, I have to win that game tonight for Phillies to win my plus 120 in six games for the mm, Phillies. That's right. I, yeah, I got the props for Kirk Cousins over .5 interceptions. Monday. It's a Monday night game, as we know, where Kirk's thrown 11 interceptions in 12 <laughs> Monday night football games. In his career, the 49ers also have the most interceptions on the season in the NFL with 10, so let's go with that. Common hey, sense would say bad. over .5 interceptions, so you probably want to fade me too. I would say common sense, but you know the one thing about Kirk? Mm-hmm. He he does not fare well in primetime games. We know the 49ers get after the quarterback, but, dude, he does well under pressure. Not the pressure of the pressure, but, I mean, quarterback pressure. Dude, Pass so pressure. better than everybody. He does he really is. well against the blitz. Hell Even yes if the Niners don't blitz that much, they do pressure the quarterback. He beats pressure. They do, and they have two outstanding, probably the best tackle combination in football. So it'll have to be interior probably tonight from Nick and all that kind of stuff. But Kirk's way better than everybody thinks he is. They want to hate him, but he's been in some horrible situations. Wow, dude. It's, it's incredible to me. You Not only will you defend the family no matter what, you will defend anybody who's ever had any connection to the family. That is the last guy that I would expect you to defend. I'm not saying he's not worthy of defense. I'm saying that's the last guy I would expect you to defend, but you'll defend him because he's got some sort of attachment to the family at some point. Everything in uh, my brain is situational and who they've been around and everything like that. And he had to play for Dan Snyder for years in that mess. And then when he went to Minnesota, he had a horrible, horrible defense. I mean, he played. No, really no, good no, 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 dude. He knows Kyle. That's why he like played for them. Kyle loves him. Was going to trade a top pick for him. Sure, it helps him, and that's dude, what probably made him so good. You're like when everybody was hiring anybody who had ever even looked at Sean McVay. No. That that's what you are with the fam. With the fam, with Kyle, not Sean, but Kyle, hundred percent. Anybody around him or Mike, I'd be hiring. No, him. no, I, but dude, if it were up to you, you'd put Kirk Cousins in the Hall of Fame right now. Ah, close. He's See? Had See? he stayed with Kyle, probably. Like if Clinton Portis stayed with. Uh, dude, have Mike you ever Jan, met Kyle? Absolutely. You, I'm not going to find out that you once coached Kyle, right? No, I didn't. He was in Cherry Creek. He have you have you met him? Do you know him at all? No, I haven't. Does but... he know you've got this weird obsession with him and his dad? Yeah, they kicked me out of a. Sporting event once when I was watching the practice and stuff. It's kind of weird. But. All right, so lay it out, dude. What do we got today? What do you have? 49ers minus seven and Kirk Cousins over .5 interceptions tonight. God, let's get one, dude. Let's get paid. All right, Forrester. All right, let's do it. see it. Let's, see let's it, make some money! I used to have a house in this development in Cabo. 
And when the sales rep was pitching me on it and was selling it to me, he told me some of the other residents. He said, Mike Shanahan. I'm like, damn, you'll let anybody in here. He goes, funny, Romy said the exact same thing about you. (laughs) Good one. Good one, Mike. At least it was good when I said it. Good night, man.